This is Ananin Kaike, and welcome to Voice of the Water Lily, an exploration of our ancestral music over the last 100 years intertwined with a historical and personal perspective. We will be exploring Latin music, more specifically salsa, Latin jazz, Cuban music, and Puerto Rican music. We are going to go deep into the history, learn about the seminal artists, as well as the artists that never received recognition, and we're going to add a personal touch through memories and anecdotes. Espero que disfruten mucho, con mucho, mucho cariño. Celia Cruz, la guarachera de Cuba, la reina de la salsa. You know, growing up, my father always played her music. He always stressed the importance of culture, of knowing our story. But not just my family story, which he always told me so much about, but also that of our cultural ancestors. And Celia Cruz is undoubtedly a hugely impactful and beloved cultural ancestor who made an impact around the world. You know, growing up, I didn't see Celia's music as my music. It was my father's music. The music he insisted was my culture. And it wasn't until I was about 12, and I'll talk a little bit later about how this all happened, that I really got into her music when I embraced her music. It was like the doors flew open and I realized what my father had been saying along. I felt the embrace of that music in my soul. So more than just loving her music, I'm, I'm grateful to her and to my father for his persistence. So now let's get into this show. Before I talk about Celia and her beginnings in the music and growing up in Santo Suarez, Havana, we're going to start off with a song here. This is a song she recorded in 1958 with La Sonora Matancera called Las Muñecas del Cha Cha Cha. Enjoy. Una muñeca que baila cha cha cha, marca unos pasitos y baila cha cha cha. Una muñequita que canta cha cha cha, abre su boquita y dice cha cha cha. Muñecas que por su hermosura dedican la vida a bailar, luciendo su bella figura. Marco los pasitos y baila 
So we just heard Las Muñecas del Cha-Cha-Cha. Now let's talk a little bit about Celia. Ursula Hilaria Celia de la Caridad Cruz Alfonso was born on October 21, 1925 in Santo Suarez, Havana, Cuba. Her mother was Catalina Alfonso, uh, but everyone called her Olita, and she was very, very, very close to her mother. Um, and her father was Simon Cruz. And she had three siblings, Dolores, Barbaro, and Gladys. And her brother Barbaro was also um, a singer. And uh, her, her mother also sang in comparsa. Uh, I'll talk about that a little later. But she actually sang in a comparsa when she was a teenager. So there was music in her family. Um, and at, when she was very young, when she was a baby, about like, she was like nine months old, um, she started to wake up in the night and like sing, making all these sounds and waking up everyone in the house. And her grandmother Dolores said, she's going to go, she's going to work at night. She's going to be an entertainer. Um, and, uh, she was, uh, Celia was also very close to her aunt, Anna. Um, she said, who was like a second mother to her and her father though, Simon, uh, wanted her to be a teacher. He didn't think that singing was a decent profession at all. Um, and he thought that being a teacher was respectable, and that's what he he uh, wanted her to do. Um, when she was about fourteen, she Celia actually she went to the comparsa. The comparsa was like this big carnaval that lasted like seven days, and um, and it was music and dancing and all that. And so Celia, her mother did not want her going to the comparsa, but Celia and her friends basically <laughs> uh, went to the comparsa and it was so much fun and it was something that they had never done it before so it was really exciting to them but Celia she felt really bad that she had lied to her mother so she confides in her aunt Anna she says listen I went to the comparsa last night and I feel so bad and her aunt goes listen if you promise to never go alone because it's dangerous if you, if you promise to never go alone again I will take you tonight and um, she did and she talked about how that was really important experience uh, for her also, what's important was that in, in, the, in her neighborhood, um, she had a neighbor, there was a neighbor called Chela, and Chela was a santera, she held bambis. And uh, Celia heard these songs, and even though, I'm going to talk about this in a second, but even though um, Celia wasn't uh, initiated into santeria, she actually, um, a lot of people thought she was, she wasn't, she actually debunked this in her book. She said a lot of people thought she was because she sang so many, so many of the songs of santeria. And she sang in Lukumi a lot, and she sang it really, really well. Like, you can, her pronunciation is perfect, and she sings it so beautifully. And we're going to hear some of those songs later. But she wasn't. She, she, she said that in her book, that she wasn't actually uh, ever initiated into the tradition. But nonetheless, the music of Santeria was very, very important to her. She sang many of the songs. And, um, but she was first introduced to that music as a child. Um, probably part of the reason why she had such impeccable pronunciation of the words and all that. Um... At this time, also, Celia had an idol. Also, Celia really idolized the singer Paulina Alvarez. She even patterned her performance style, she says, after Paulina. And you can hear also similarity in their styles. Um, and in fact, you may actually recognize this song. That is Paulina Alvarez singing El Panquelero. Uh, she did uh, the, the, one of the earlier versions of that song that Celia later recorded. And you can also hear a similarity in their style. Um, so yes, Paulina was a very, very important influence on Celia at that time. 
in, in, in her teen uh, year. She even actually had, had some claves because Paulina always performed with claves. I always held claves when she performed and said, I wanted to be just like her. So she actually, someone gifted her some claves uh, uh, because they knew how much she idolized Paulina. Uh, so we're going to get to some music here. We're going to start off here with La Cumbanchera de Belén. Enjoy. Ay, nada más quiero el ritmo sabroso 
So there we just heard three songs, and uh, we heard La Cumanchera de Belén, one of my favorites right there. Then we heard Ainama. Now, you might actually recognize that song if you know this version of that amazing song done by Rafael Cortijo with Imar Rivera singing. I actually didn't know, Sally, I recorded a version of that song until a few days ago. I always grew up hearing the Imar Rivera, Rafael Cortijo version. But here is, we, just, we had just heard in the previous set, Celia's version of that amazing uh, song. After that, we heard Que Critiquen. Um, and in, her, Tia Ana was also very important to Celia. Her Aunt Ana was very important to her because... She really helped her come out of her shell. Celia was a very was very shy as a child, um, and when she uh, her, her aunt always was wanted uh, uh, would, would ask her to sing songs, but Celia would would just stand there and sing, and she wouldn't dance, she wouldn't move, and she really helped her come out out of that. She says you have to excite people when you sing, you know, and um, so she, she her aunt was very important. She always says was like a second uh, mother to her. And Celia would also, she would sing to put her cousins and siblings to sleep. She was uh, the second oldest. And what would happen at, at one point, neighbors were gathering outside of the house. And Celia was very young at this point. I mean, she was probably about uh, nine years old. The neighbors were gathering outside of the house to come <laughs> listen to her sing. Um, and Celia was very, was, was very shy at the time. So she just went and closed the door. And people were just gathering outside of the window. <laughs> I mean, so you, you can imagine how adorable that must have been to see a, a, a very young Celia Cruz singing to put her siblings to sleep. It's very, it, it, it's really wonderful. Um, in 1947, she actually registered to go to the teacher's college to basically because her father really wanted her to become a teacher. He didn't approve of her singing. Um, but what happened, what was very important was that her cousin Serafin signed her up. Uh, and she didn't even know that he signed her up for this, but signed her up to a show called La Hora del Te. Um, and it was an amateur radio show. And he, he tells her, I signed you up for this show, this, this singing uh, radio show. And um, she she went to it and she sang this song, Nostalgia. And the judges were very, very impressed. And... Um, she actually uh, won the, the first prize at the show. But unfortunately, at this time, her father was really, he really didn't um, want her to have anything to do with music or, or any in, in the music industry at all. And he actually stopped talking uh, to her at that time. And it was only until later that one of his friends saw an article about her in the newspaper and said, hey, isn't this your daughter? And he realized how successful she was and how well she was doing with the music that he finally um, he finally started talking to her again. And he never did. His, at one point, he was denying that she was even his daughter. Um, he wouldn't talk about her. And at that point, he realizes she's so that that she was she was doing so well in her career, and and um, he, he finally accepted that she was going to to be a singer. And in fact, um, at the time, she, she when she this was at when she was in the teachers' uh, college. This teacher that she really, really um, called Marta Renieri, she really admired this woman. And, and, and she told her, listen, Celia, you were put on this earth to make people happy using your gift. So please follow follow the music. You know, don't don't do this because, you know, this isn't your dream. This isn't what's going to make you happy. Follow the music. And I mean, thank goodness she did, because after that, she decides that she was just going to follow music despite 
her father's disapproval, she went out and studied. Um, she actually studied music. In, she studied piano and music theory at the Academia Municipal de Musica um, for a little while as well. Um, and then she started getting the different jobs at radio stations. Now we're going to get to another set here of uh, music. Enjoy. We're going to start off here with a song called Juntitos Tuillo. Enjoy. I'm 
we just heard three amazing, amazing songs. There was Juntitos, Tu y Yo. Then we started with, it was La Madre Rumba. That was a song sang with, a duet with Celio Gonzalez, an amazing singer from La Sonora Matancera. Um, and then after that, the last song on that set was a song called Chango, of course, um, in, in honor of the Orisha Chango. And, and I mean, what an amazing, amazing song. You can hear how well she sings those songs. It is just so, so beautiful. Now, um, at the time, Sadia was getting a lot of jobs at radio stations, but she also met Roderico uh, Neira. And he was the producer of a show called Sun Sun Baba. He was a, a choreographer, and it had a, it was a show with singing and dancing and drumming. And of course, it had this amazing song as the 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 title song. This song has been recorded by so many artists. I mean, Tito Rodriguez did a version, Ocar de Leon. So many people have. And it was actually a very, very successful show. And the story goes that Rodrigo um, and also the the, uh, the composer of the song, uh, Rogelio Martinez, who was um, also happened to be the director of La Sonora Matancera, we'll get to that later, actually consulted the Santeros and asked if it was okay to use the music of Santeria in the show. And they basically said it was okay as long as the music was changed so that it wasn't exactly what was paid at the bembes and all that but it was changed um so that's that's how the story the, the, that is the story that they're um behind the the show and, and it was a it was a great hit um when it was performed live and um it is truly a, re a really amazing song she sings it so so uh, uh beautifully Celia also actually worked for some time with um, Las Mulatas del Fuego, which were a, a, a dance group. And she also actually worked with Orquestra Anacaona, which was in, founded by Concepcion Castro and her sisters. And it was an all-women's band back in Cuba. I believe, I believe there was like 10 or 11 of them. And I mean, a really amazing uh, um, band at the time. And then around this time, she had this dream that she was performing with La Sonora Matancera. And... Um, she was working at Radio Cadena Suaritos at the time, and um, yeah, in June of 1950, this guy called, who introduced himself as Sotolongo, came in to see her and asked if she wanted to work with La Sonora. And because Mita Silva, who was a singer, um, the um, incredible Puerto Rican singer who had been singing with them for several years, was moving back to Puerto Rico, and they wanted an another female lead singer for the band. And I mean, she was so excited. It was basic. It was it was like a dream come true, and it literally was. And she had had that dream about performing with them. So she went to Radio Progreso, and that's actually where she met Pedro Knight, who she would later marry, and they'd be married for forty two years. Um, and she and she met him, and he looked at her arrangements, and he said that these that a lot of them were for. Um, the the arrangements were done for like bands with like fourteen uh, musicians, and in La Sonora only had nine. So, um, they had to wait for these arrangements to be adapted by La Sonora's um, arranger. And so she's still working at Radio Cadena Suaritos. And two weeks later, there was this article, this newspaper article that was published, unbeknownst to her, unbeknownst to everyone, basically, that Mita Silva was going back to Puerto Rico and that Celia Cruz was replacing her in La Sonora Matancera, even though the job wasn't even you know, uh, uh, confirmed yet. 
And uh, uh, Mr. Suarez, who had owned the Radio Cadena Suaritos, uh, was furious and he fired her. Um, so at the end of July, I mean, she's getting really anxious at this point because it's like she really needs she really needs the money coming in to, to help support her family and all that. And she gets a call in July, late July of that year, and they called her to come in. And she debuted with La Sonora Matancera on August 3rd, 1950. Um, and I just want to make something clear. She never officially joined the band. She was actually an invited guest um, the whole time, all 15 years she was with them, which is interesting to me because I, I, not a lot of singers did that where she basically kind of retained this um, independence. She also worked with a lot of other bands. Um, and so she, it wasn't like at a time, it wasn't like she ever went solo. She just simply always was solo, um, which I find really, really interesting. She, at this time she used to sing with, cause La Sonora Matancera, just as a side note here, what an amazing band. And you hear on these, some of these songs, like there's this, uh, Lino Frias is the pianist. Amazing. I mean, a phenomenal, phenomenal pianist. And you hear they were an amazing band. They've had so many amazing singers uh, um, over the years. And Bienvenido Granda and Daniel Santos actually were part of the band at that time as well. And um, they would sing. They, sometimes they would all sing together. So, I mean, you can imagine some really, really, really incredible singers all and musicians all together in one band. I mean, it was absolutely um, phenomenal. Now, let's get to another set of music here. We're going to go to some more songs here. This is Oyeme Agayu. Enjoy. Para tener sus hijos y hacer un dulce hogar. Todo hombre que sea noble puede formar su hogar con una mujer buena que lo sepa adorar. El hombre marinero sí se puede casar para tener sus hijos y hacer un dulce hogar. 
So we just heard a few more songs there. That was Oyeme Agayu. Again, that is dedicated to the Orisha Agayu. After that was Oya, Diosa Ife. And again, uh, dedicated to the Orisha Oya. And then after that, and that was Aguapami. Um, and I just wanted to note here, and it's kind of crazy to even think about, but Celia at the time when she first joined the band was really criticized because um, the fans really didn't like her. Um, because they wanted Mita Sidla back and they were writing her these really mean uh, letters saying that she should quit the band, that she was no good, this and that. And it actually took a while for her to win over uh, Mita's fans. Um, but eventually she did. But imagine that people were criticizing Celia Cruz and saying that she wasn't good enough to replace Mita Silva. I mean, it's just it's interesting to think about. We're going to get to another set. We're going to get to another set here. Let's go with... Contestación del el marine, el Marinero. This is actually an old merengue. Um, and then we'll get to a bolero after that. We haven't heard any of Celia's boleros, so we're going to get to one of her amazing boleros because, I mean, she was really amazing at anything she sang, whether it was a guaracha, uh, a son, or anything, or, or a bolero. She was just phenomenal. So we're going to get to that now.
So there we had um, three songs there. We heard Contestación de El Marinero. Then there was Luna Sobre Matanzas. And after that was Goza Negra. I think it's interesting to think that um, Luna Sobre Matanzas, Cedia actually recalled that she used to, that was one of her most um, requested songs at the time. Um, but today, and she said she got so tired of singing it over and over and over again. But uh, now that that's not, not not a very well known song, but it was such a beautiful bolero. And then after that was Gosa Negra. What all of these songs? I love the the guarachas, the rhythm on them. I mean, they're just so danceable. They're so so good. I mean, really amazing. Um, and uh, so. Rogelio Martinez basically really wanted to record an album with Celia. After she had been in the band for a little while, he really realized she's amazing. And he wanted to record an album. And they were signed with Seiko. Um, interesting how there was an Ameri- the, 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 the record company, La Sonora Matancera, a band in Cuba, were recording with what was an American record company um, at the time. And it was Sidney Siegel who was the owner of it. And he had exclusive recording rights for La Sonora Matancera. And he tells Rogelio, he said, women don't sell records. They're only good for live performances. And Rogelio said, I mean, he argued with him. He says, no, if she doesn't sell, if these records don't sell, Seagull does not have to pay a thing. I'm, I'm responsible for paying her. And I mean, thank goodness he did because she recorded that album. And immediately there was a, at least two or three big hits. And then hit after hit after hit and actually it's kind of ironic later on a few years later it was sydney siegel who had to present her with the an award that she had won um and i mean that, that must have been quite embarrassing for him huh the one he had said wasn't popular wasn't going to to sell records he was there presenting her within with an award um so we're going to get to another set here we're going to get to rinking kaya now this actually was later we recorded on an album in 1978 that she recorded. Um, and I really think it's interesting to hear how different, um, how her sound evolved over time. But we're going to start off here with Rinkin Kaya. We're going to hear that uh, other version in, a, in in part three. But we're going to hear Rinkin Kaya and then after that, Prende la Vela. Enjoy. Mi para el 
África me dio la gran facultad para cantarle a mi orilla y a mi tambor So we just heard Rinquincaya. After that was Prende la Vela. And then uh, the last one on there was El Igual Quiere Tambo. I just want to say here that she she actually later called in her book that the guys from La Sonora Matancera, they were like, she said they were like brothers to her and they would always um, protect her. And she said that one day when they were in South America, she didn't say what country or who this was or anything, but she said that there was this general, this very powerful general who kept wouldn't leave her alone. And... He's following her and she's really starting to get really scared. And she starts running down the street to the car where they were waiting for her. And they saw, you know, that she was that what was going on. And they jumped out of the car and the guy went running. And so, I mean, she was really uh, lucky that they were they were very protective of her. And it was very I mean, you, you some of these situations were very dangerous. I mean, she's performing in these clubs. And and I mean, it, it's, it's very good that they uh, that they stuck up for her in that way. Um, and so she actually sang a lot, um, a lot of people probably aren't aware that Celia sang on a lot of commercials at the time in, in Cuba. And what was interesting was that, uh, at the time, black Cubans were not on TV. They, they were not. And so what they would do was they would have, say, someone like Celia sing the, the whatever it was for the commercial. And then they would have like a light skinned, uh, blonde woman, basically, um, uh, basically, um, dub, dub it over. And it was, I mean, first of all, can you imagine how ridiculous that is, honestly? And people really wouldn't tolerate it with Celia. They wanted to see her and hear her voice singing. And so that was really, um, really important, especially for its time in Cuba, because Cuba was a very segregated racist society at that time. And Celia was also uh, in a few movies during this time in Cuba and then later on in Mexico. And she was basically having more and more uh, success and she also had a house built for her mother um, unfortunately in 1958 her mother was diagnosed with cancer and um, it was very very difficult for her because she absolutely adored her mother she was very close to her so let's get to this next set here we're going to start off here with a song called Para Tu Altar enjoy <laughs> 
casera traigo mis flores para el altar de los santos casera traigo mis flores Yeah. 
para ti Es mi amor tan sincero mi vida Ya tú ves la promesa que te hago Que me importa llorar Que me importa sufrir Si es que un día me dices que sí Aunque me cueste la vida Sigo buscando tu amor Te sigo amando Voy preguntando Dónde poderte encontrar llorar, no me importa sufrir, si es que un día me dices que sí, aunque me cueste la vida, sigo buscando tu amor, te sigo amando, voy, voy preguntando, de poderte encontrar. So we just heard Para Tu Altar was the first um, song there, and then there was Anke Me Cueste La Vida. On July 15th, 1960, Celia left Cuba. She didn't know that she would she she would never return. She didn't know it then. She thought it was just an ordinary trip to Mexico. They worked, her and La Sonora worked there quite often. And she had promised her mother that she would be back soon. Um, and it was very difficult because, I mean, the political situation at the time, this is just after the revolution. And uh, people had to make some very difficult decisions. Um, and Celia, I will go into this more in part two. But it was a decision that was very difficult for her to make. And she said that if she had known she was never going to see her mother alive again, she wouldn't have she wouldn't have been able to leave. Um, and so I, I also just want to bring this up very briefly. But Celia often today, I think, is seen as a very like politicized figure, especially when it comes to the to the Cuban Revolution and when people talk about that. Um, but I just want to say that Pedro, her husband, always said that Celia hated politics. She didn't talk about politics. And I think that, so I think that this, people kind of seeing her as this like really political figure is kind of um, incorrect because if she, if, if Pedro saying she didn't like politics, she didn't talk about politics, I mean, he would know her best. And so I just wanted to say that because she's often, I think, just politicized in this way that really might not quite be accurate. We're going to get to a song here to end off part one. This is called Nostalgia Habanera. Enjoy. Nostalgia 
siento la nostalgia de volver a ti Mas el destino manda y no puede ser Mi Habana, mi tierra querida Cuando yo te volveré a ver Habana Como extraño el sol indiano de tus Thank you for listening to part one of my tribute to, um, in honor of Celia Cruz for the 19th anniversary of her passing. If you're in, in, interested in hearing part two, please tune in next Saturday for part two, where we talk about what happened after she left Cuba, her time in Mexico, and later um, when she went to New York. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Ciao, mi gente. Keep dancing, keep honoring your ancestors con mucho, mucho cariño. Ciao, mi gente. If you like that show, please don't hesitate to reach out to me and leave me a voice message on Anchor. There is a link up in the description. You can also reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Voice of the Water Lily or check out my blog, voiceofthelily.water.blog. You can leave me a message on any of those platforms. Um, and please reach out. Let me know what you think of the show. If you have any suggestions, song requests, or anything, please reach out to me. And um, also, if I got something wrong and you want to correct me, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, and uh, until next time, ciao.